feed uh, give us a shout out tell us where you're from mm. um, even as we get started uh, and the Facebook page is Radio Pulpit um, Radio Console uh, on Twitter the Twitter handle is at 657 AM and you can also interact with us on both WhatsApp and Telegram 082 657-2729 I will give those details a little bit later just before and just when we bring Gideon and Penny on let me tell you what Gideon is going to be talking about this morning he's really going to be talking about discerning um, understanding uh, how to know uh, a call on your life toward ministry hmm. um, he, his premise is that the Lord's harvest still needs more workers hmm. in his vineyard mm-hmm. uh, and so we're going to be talking about all things around a call to ministry around discerning a call to ministry and around moving toward ministry uh, it is going to be a very interesting show I have no doubt that uh, there will be those of you who are listening in who for yourself are discerning a call to ministry and want to know how that might work yeah. out um, but whether you are in, uh, whether you are planning on going into full-time ministry or not, uh, the reality is you're part of a church, and that church has a minister, and that church will have other ministers in the future, and um, possibly family or friends might discern a call to ministry, um, and so this will be a great opportunity to equip yourself uh, on the subject matter. If you have questions, please do drop them in. Uh, we would love to hear from them. We're going to start off this morning's show by just uh, getting a quick State of the Nation check-in with our friend Michael Swain. Uh, Michael is the Executive Director for 4SA, um, and he has studied law, he has been successful in business, he has founded uh, church ministries that have taken off in South Africa. Um, This morning, even as we bring him in, we are going to be talking about a relatively contentious topic which has come up uh, in terms of the legal fraternity over the last couple of weeks. Mm. Michael, brother, are you with us yes I'm here good morning nice to be with you yeah it's nice to have you with us as well and no jokes this morning about (laughs) Cape Town because I'm telling you now our weather beats yours this morning (laughs) we we drove we drove into the studio and it felt like a little piece of paradise up here in Pretoria well that that would make a pleasant change Well, brother, um, yeah, you, you and I engaged uh, over the course of this week. Uh, obviously, there's there's a whole lot of stuff which is happening in our country at the moment in terms of kind of picking a state of the nation. Um, we settled on on one topic. Do you want to introduce it for us? Yes. Well, look, one of the um, things that's really been doing the rounds this week, and I think very importantly so, is the controversy over the findings of the Judicial Conduct Committee on statements made by the Chief Justice in an interview that uh, he did on a webinar that was hosted by the Jerusalem Post last year. And he has been sanctioned for uh, the statements that he made by the uh, Judicial Conduct Committee. But I think it's very important that we unpack perhaps what the issues are here and perhaps what they are not, because I do think that there is quite a lot of confusion around this subject at the moment. So, Michael, I've been getting a little bit of feedback, um, even uh, from the the areas where you and I have been talking. And and I've realized that generally um, South Africans as a whole don't understand how these relationships between between things like justice and government and even the church works how, how all of these relationships work 
and we are kind of a little bit oblivious in terms of even how justice works itself. When we say a chief justice, who is he in the greater scheme of things? How, how does he fit in? Well, the chief justice actually heads up the whole of the judiciary in South Africa. Oh. And he is also the head of the constitutional court, which is our apex court. And so therefore his position in terms of the judiciary, which is obviously one of the balancing structures in our government. We have executive, we have the legislature, and executive being the president, the legislature being parliament, and the uh, judiciary being, of course, our, our, our judicial system, at the top of which sits the constitutional court. And the top of that is, of course, the chief justice. So he has a very significant position in our governmental structures. Great. And, and, and so, I mean... Uh, you couldn't have been driving in your car and listened to the news any time <laughs> over the last couple of weeks and not heard his voice and heard some of the controversy which has happened. Do you want to just maybe just flesh that out? Uh, uh, what what happened? The um, uh, the 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 actual context of of mm. what he said and when he said it. You know, to give a little background, perhaps as to why it happened, and then we can go into what happened. When you become a member of the judiciary, you sign uh, a, a code of, of conduct, which basically means that you are subscribed from doing certain things that you would not otherwise be subscribed from doing if you were a normal citizen. Mm. And the reason for that, of course, is that the most important and integral part of uh, the judiciary is that they are independent. In other words, we need protection as the public who may one day find ourselves before a judicial bench to know that our judges are indeed independent. And therefore, they cannot and they are prescribed from doing certain things that would potentially compromise their independence. And that's really for their good and for our good. Now, in this particular instance, one of the provisions of this code of conduct uh, prescribes judges from being involved or becoming involved in political controversy in circumstances where it is not necessary for them to do so in, in terms of their actual judicial office. And so what happened, and now to give the context, the Chief Justice was invited on a webinar hosted by the Jerusalem Post with the Chief Rabbi of South Africa. The context of it was, of course, that he was invited there in his position as Chief Justice, not as a normal citizen, so to speak. And it so happened that the webinar took place on the eve when our executive, which is another branch of our government, of course, uh, was about to make a statement on the Israeli-Palestine situation to the UN Security Council. And so in the webinar itself, the Chief Justice made statements which, from a religious freedom point of view, are perfectly valid, which is that he believes that Israel has obviously a very special place in the heart of God, that we have a responsibility to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that if you uh, are against Jerusalem, potentially you can bring a curse on the nation and so on and so forth. And th these are views that are held by many Christians indeed. Um, and there's no problem with that. And in fact, the Judicial Conduct Committee did not in any way take issue with the statements that the CJ loves Jerusalem and, and, and believes those things about it. What they were concerned about was that effectively what he did was he made a criticism of South Africa's foreign policy towards Israel and he suggested that there was an alternative and indeed in his view a better approach to take. And that was what they said was politically controversial. And that is of course what this code of conduct actually prescribes or precludes the Chief Justice from doing. Now, 
it, it may be argued, of course, that the Chief Justice has the perfect right, which indeed he does, to express his faith, his views and his beliefs and what have you. And that is true. But it is also possible to, if you like, subscribe uh, your rights when you agree to something voluntarily, which he did as a judge. And of course, if he's not happy with that, then he has obviously the recourse of perhaps challenging it or even its constitutionality, because he may well say, well, I should not have been prescribed by this code from doing so. But as long as the code's in force, the code is valid and you're bound by it. And the other recourse, of course, that he has is he can, uh, and indeed he may appeal with the findings of the Judicial Services Commission. And I believe he has a month to do so from the date of the decision. Hmm. So, Michael, I mean, as I'm, as I'm listening to all of this, when, when I first heard it, I, I actually... You know, by nature, thought that this was just political wranglings, and uh, and it would just be a, like a storm in a teacup, and it would blow over, and and it wouldn't really in any way affect me in terms of you know my personal citizenship or anything like that. Um, but yeah, just just as you've been engaging with it, and uh, and as Four SA has, has written on this topic, um, how does this affect, if at all? Um, kind of the common citizen in South Africa. How, how does it affect me? How does it affect um, my thinking or my confidence in either the judiciary or, or the way that these gears work? Well, I think the one thing to be very clear about, which I think is perhaps at the heart of most people's concern, is that it does not affect your right to express or to live out your personal faith. Mm. Because you are not, unless, of course, you are on the judiciary and that you're bound by this code. Um, but no, it, it doesn't do that at all. I think a lot of Christians were perhaps thinking that somehow this was a sanction against being able to make any yes. kinds of controversial statement based on their faith. No, that does not apply at all. So I think there people can, can, can stay at rest. But I do think it's important that these things come out because perhaps if nothing else, this emphasizes the very critical importance of being able to express our faith. And I think the fact that many people have been very concerned that this is perhaps uh, an abrogation of that right is a good thing because there are other issues that we're facing in this nation which potentially will subscribe or, or circumvent or eliminate maybe even our freedom to express our faith and to live out our faith. And so in as much as it has woken up people to that very real concern, which of course 4SA has been involved with in multiple different levels, um, I think that is a good thing. Oh. Excellent. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciated when I read uh, the 4SA um, statement and release that you guys made. I was really impressed by the balance of it and the clarity that it brought to me just as I was thinking through these various topics. So thank you for that. No, that's a great pleasure. I'm very happy for that. And brother, just uh, in closing, at, at a high level, what are some of the other things that uh, that we're facing as a nation right now that we need to be keeping on our radar and just thinking through um, as we enter into the, the week and the month ahead? Well, I think one of the things that uh, 4SA is going to be speaking about, and maybe we can make this the topic of our next uh, discussion, is the combining of all the marriage laws of, of South Africa into a single marriage statute. Mm. And a report has just been released um, by the, the Judicial Reform Committee who've been looking at this matter. And they have made certain recommendations in that uh, in terms of what this marriage law would look like. And there are some definite omissions there. 
which we think are very important that we need to start closing the gap. And there is an opportunity for comment to be made on it. And by the way, if you want a little bit of advance notice, you can go to our website on www.forsa.org.za. And there is a video that we produced, which basically uh, outlines the issues and also tells people that they can, and we believe indeed should, make submissions on this uh, discussion paper that's been produced open until May the 17th. So we're definitely going to be pushing this very hard. It's very important that our freedom of conscience and belief rights are retained specifically for marriage officers. Mm. And we believe it would be very worthwhile. It's a very short little video clip that you can watch to give the background. And maybe we can pick this up in our interview next week. Yeah, certainly a pressing issue um, for kind of my peers, um, uh, pastors, um, really pressing issue on everybody's in everybody's thoughts, how these things work out, what are the ramifications, who can Mm -hmm. carry on conducting weddings and marriages and you know who ought to relinquish licenses and stuff so so that will be an excellent topic and i'm have no doubt will be of great interest michael it was wonderful talking to you thank you for your time thank you mark great to be on the show yeah enjoy the rest of your day god bless well uh we are about to bring gideon and penny uh onto the show just uh, by way of introduction so now what i didn't do before the show was get a short bio for Gideon because normally what I do is I, mm. I will contact uh, you know guys that come on and I will say well either I will or you will and you yeah. know we, we'll say hey uh, just tell us in <laughs> one paragraph three sentences of ten words a yeah. little bit about <laughs> you you know who, who you <laughs> your, your wife your children uh, you know what what have you done where did you study where mm. you're ministering so that we can talk with a degree of authority uh, when we introduce a guest yeah. Gideon I didn't ask for a short bio for um, because I know him so well. Uh, he's oh. a he's a really good friend of mine. Um, him and I served at Crystal Park Baptist Church for. And gee, you're going to have to um, help me out on a number of these areas. I might get them wrong, but but I'm going to say eight years roughly. Uh, you and I served together at Crystal Park um, as uh, as associates and enjoyed one another's company and uh, and drank lots of coffee together. I think you stayed at my <laughs> house for about six months uh, when you first arrived at Crystal Park before you got married. Um, Gideon is married to Chaletzel and Penny. He is the husband of one wife and has two beautiful kids uh, who my kids get on with and who they miss incredibly. Um, after leaving Crystal Park Baptist Church, he went across to Florida um, Baptist Church and has been involved in somewhat of a church restoration uh, there. Uh, he went into a church which was firmly established, had a long track record uh, in their suburb, um, but we're really looking for somebody to come in and stoke the flames and get in just did just that Uh, I mean just remarkable the way that that work has grown and has been developing and I'm always very excited when I get news from from that Gideon this morning I believe you're joining us um, from Malawi and we're we're um, we're just waiting to get Gideon on the line Uh, he'll be joining us from Malawi and we're going to be talking about um, the topic of discerning a call to ministry. So maybe, Tepo, let me start by just bringing you in, brother, uh, and talking about uh, a call to ministry. When we talk about a call to ministry, what is a call to ministry? Okay, so so basically, 
let me let me let me let me talk about myself here <laughs> okay so 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 basically um a call to ministry is um well feeling the call on your life from god to serve god's people um and so well into ministry it well we we now probably just going to focus on um let's say pastoral ministry or maybe um, well hang on let's not jump there too soon (laughs) yeah yeah because listener even as you thinking through this there is a truth that all of us have been given a ministry of reconciliation there's a sense that that all of us have a diakonos a a, a ministry where we are to partake before God on behalf of the church and to the world we're to minister in in many forms so Definitely. so there's there's a sense that the Christian just by default has a call to pick up their cross and follow Christ and yeah. that involves ministry at some level some yeah. degree so whether you're cleaning the dishes on a Sunday fixing the light bulbs on a Monday um, leading the worship um, during corporate worship or preaching in the front and uh, giving pastoral services during the week uh, the reality is all of us are, are called to a life of service but but some people are set apart for service yeah and, and when we talk about call to ministry generally we're talking about that setting apart right yeah 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 so like you've you've actually mentioned washing the dishes right <laughs> so so I, I i quickly went to first peter chapter 4 verse 10 and obviously this is talking about um serving and it says as as each has received a gift use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Um, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that every everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, so that is, yeah, so every Christian has um, a ministry or has a gift to serve um, the body of Christ, but yeah, in 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 our case now, um, there's a setting apart um, to to a specific uh, ministry, and for 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 instance, being set apart is um, being sanctified, being put aside uh, for a specific task by God and so what we're actually going to be doing today is discerning how um, you know that that is the ministry that God has set you apart for Mm. basically the reason that you even exist so Mm. yeah so that's basically so so how would you know that and we we're actually going to be looking at a number of things there's many um, um, things that you can look at that could either qualify that um, you are called to ministry or disqualify that you are actually called to ministry and so yeah we, we and and even and even affirm that yes. you are called to ministry yes. so yeah. so often we we labor on the qualifications for yeah. christian ministry and rightfully so cuz cuz paul writes on that fairly comprehensively we've got yeah. we've got lists in multiple places of what the christian minister the elder the overseer the uh, the pastor ought to look like the elder um but 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 sometimes what we don't do is focus on the affirmation toward yes. ministry and, yeah. and even the process the the the, the process the mm-hmm. heart process mm-hmm. and the practical process of, of moving toward 
uh, ministering. Yeah. User, I'm, I'm a user. Uh, listener, I'm, I'm really interested to hear from you as well. Um, yeah. Uh, are you in ministry? Um, how did the call to ministry um, manifest in your life? Uh, how, did, how did the the Spirit draw you toward ministry? How did the church affirm you in ministry? Mm. Um, how did you go through the process of qualification? Um, really keen to hear all of those things. You can speak to us, and now I'm going to give you just the way that you can engage, uh, and then we'll turn over uh, to uh, Gideon. The ways that you can engage are on Facebook. Uh, we do follow Facebook um, carefully uh, throughout the show and are able to pick up uh, any uh, comments that you drop um, on Facebook. Uh, our Facebook page is Radio Pulpit uh, Radio Console. You can also fo- follow us on Twitter and engage on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at 657am. Um, and we can also receive both WhatsApps and Telegrams. The number is 082-657-2729. We are looking forward to hearing from you, but right now we do get to hear <laughs> from yeah. Gideon. Gideon, brother, are you with us? Yes, I am. Um, I'm here. Greetings. Um, my friend. It's such a joy and a blessing to join you. My, f- my friend, it's good to hear your voice. <laughs> Sure. And I, Thank I, you so much for the invitation as well. I recognize that you're far from home at the moment. You're in Malawi uh, today. Yes, I am. Uh, in the long way, to be precise. Um, yeah, Providence would have it that uh, yeah, the Lord would um, have us here for this time mm. um, due to uh, the passing into glory of my dad on the 11th of uh, Fab uh, this year. Well, brother, obviously our heart really does go out to you um, over this time. Uh, even as we we kind of like meet together using technology in order to be able to talk, um, brother, y- you said that this morning you wanted to talk uh, about the call, um, the discerning a call into ministry. What did you have in your mind um, as you kind of like put that topic on the table? Yeah, um, as as we are all aware, um, the circumstances around us um, since uh, 2019, uh, we've been bombarded with COVID-19, and uh, uh, I guess I've, I've just been following with keen interest um, some of the discussions that you've been having, and we thank God for. Uh, for Radio Pulpit and for the initiatives that uh, Table Talk has also uh, brought forward. You've talked about discipleship, uh, which are vital um, aspects of uh, the life of a local church. Um, but with this pandemic, um, as with it has come a sense of uh, fear, but also a great sense of um, hopelessness mm. among us people. Um, but I am of the conviction that it is in times such as this uh, that the Lord of the Harvest uh, still has a vineyard that needs to be worked on mm. and there are many that the Lord in His providence would use these circumstances that those who have been d- trying to understand and trying to uh, get to grasp as to what is it the Lord would have us to do there has to be a great sense of urgency now more than before uh, that many are dying and souls are heading 
um, into eternity. Mm. And with that, um, I, I have this urge that we would then um, call upon uh, men and women whom the Lord has um, in this time uh, entrusted with um, a desire to serve Him uh, mm. in His vineyard. Mm. Yeah, just as I'm listening to you, I'm I'm hearing words like urgency. I'm hearing words like present circumstances, the providence of God bringing things together. H- how do circumstances, providence, um, and a sense of urgency converge to move a person toward ministry, whether that be vocational uh, or otherwise? H- h- how does how does God bring circumstances about in order to move a man's heart um, so that we start thinking about ministry? How, how might that have happened for you, uh, Gene? Mm. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, I look at I look at um, my own life um, as a young man growing up. Um, I, I do and I did have ambitions uh, like any other young man. Mm. Um, I remember uh, times when I would think that um, I need to achieve A, B, C, D. Then maybe in my old age. I would be able to serve the Lord. I, mm-hmm. I, I can recall mm-hmm. very well thinking like that yeah. as a young man studying accounting, uh, finishing uh, my um, my studies with ACCA at the Malawi College of Accountancy then. Um, but then uh, I look at circumstances, and for me it was more or less um, in 2008 uh, when uh, I was on a mission trip in Botswana. Uh, I was involved in a car accident. Um, and uh, I, would, I was admitted in Francistown for some days, uh, weeks, I should say. And it was there where I thought, like, okay, my life is expendable. And the realities of death um, was just, for me, it was, it was now more than ever, apart from uh, the salvation I received after receiving the gospel, realizing of my own sinfulness and my need for the Savior. But I the urgency to to come to a place where one would avail themselves. We need to look at the circumstances we've gone through now in terms of um, facing this pandemic. It must not be something that will cause us to despair or rather to be cowards, Mm. but rather to be courageous and to stand and to face these circumstances with a great sense of courage in the God we serve, and you use this word, and be ambassadors of reconciliation in this season that the Lord has allowed us to be in at this time. So we need to look at these circumstances as God-ordained and God-orchestrated. Some have lost their jobs, and some have been retrenched, but uh, the master and the Lord of the harvest does not retrench his people. He still needs men and women to serve him. <laughs> and this is what I would love just to bring uh, to say that as, as, as dark as it is, but still, they still work. There's still a vacancy going out there. Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Mm. And I guess we can speak in detail as to how that looks like um, shortly. Man, I, I think that's a quotable quote. The Lord of the harvest doesn't retrench his people. <laughs> I, I love that, Gideon. Uh, yeah, very witty and yeah. uh, and uh, just reminds me of, uh, of the way you talk. Um, yeah. Even as you spoke, you mentioned words like courageous and bold. 
Uh, and I do think that sometimes uh, we might feel uh, a call of God on our lives to do, I mean, even to to move towards Christian service mm. to one degree or another or uh, an act of generosity or an act of mercy. Um, and yet, uh, in the face of opposition, whether that be financial pressure or whether that be, you know, practical opposition, uh, sometimes we shrink back wondering, well, if is God in this That now that I'm feeling some opposition to that mm. and this certainly is a season um, that requires courage that requires boldness and if you were called before <laughs> you are still called now uh, mm. and maybe that's just an encouragement to somebody who might be listening uh, to remember that uh, God mm. doesn't God doesn't retract his callings he, mm. he, he, he calls men and women to serve him to glorify him um, and he seeks our obedience uh, sometimes we shrink back because we don't think we're going to be successful. We don't think yeah. that we're going to be fruitful in the present conditions and present circumstances. And yet we're not called to fruitfulness or to success. We are called to faithfulness. Um, and yeah. uh, and the call on our lives mm-hmm. is to be faithful. I, I saw you wanted to come in as well, Tepo. So let me just uh, over to you. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I, I, when Gideon said um, when when he was younger... And he he studied accounting. Um, he thought, no, when I'm when I'm an old man, mm. <laughs> then I can start serving the Lord. So so obviously, yo, I actually know of a lot of men, a lot of ministers who left their 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 let's call it secular. Um, uh, what is this? vocation mm. um, to go into ministry? And we talking engineers, we talking like high qualifications mm. and it's 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 just that when when the call of god is on your life um it's irresistible mm. let, me, let me use that mm. word. it's actually irresistible and you you see um the like you you weigh the two and there's no way you you can actually say um I can continue going the way I'm going, and so I, I just laughed because <laughs> when I when when I went to Bible college, I was actually studying accounting as well, and so yeah, I dropped out in second year, went to Bible college, and yeah, that's where uh, this route for me started, and so yeah, Gideon, we have a similarity there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I mean, my story is, is yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, gee, that the call on a man's life is a conquering call. Uh, mm. And and now we, we're entering into the area where we can start to apply some scripture and start to call uh, some scripture. And, and uh, I, I'm thinking of, uh, of Timothy, Paul's pastoral notes to Timothy regarding mm. um, the office of overseer, of uh, bishop. Um, and he says, this is a trustworthy saying, mm. if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he mm. desires a, no- a noble work. And there's two different words used in that sentence translated in, in my translation as um, aspire and as desire. The one is an internal compulsion. And that's a compulsion that often grows. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. for me, I came to faith in my 20s. Yes. Uh, Lisa and I loved being believers we love the joy of the lord which entered into our hearts and our souls and we, we just wanted to 
kind of like connecting to every single church ministry who possibly mm. could. Um, we were spending so much time at church that eventually we decided to buy a house just down the road from the church um, just to cut down on traffic. Mm. Uh, we were mm. living in Santon at the time and commuting to Midrand uh, and we decided, uh, you know, Reinke's Fontaine was close to the church. We, mm. We'd buy a plot there and uh, and set up, uh, set up house and home closer to the church so that we'd have more access to what was our greatest passion in life, mm. God and God's people. Um, but but then, as I hit maybe twenty seven, twenty eight, coming into my into thirty, I started to develop a, a real desire to yeah. be involved in the church in in a way which was which was beyond just just serving as we already were. Mm. Uh, I wanted to teach. I was studying ferociously. I was you know reading systematics and I was trying to teach myself how to how to read and write in original languages and and pursuing these things with mm. passion. Staying up late at night and waking up early in the morning. It was a it was a wonderful time. Um and there was this growing desire at the time Liesl didn't have the same desire she was just like a handbrake she said no 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 um, <laughs> you know you need to be focusing on your career you need to be focusing on these things we're already serving in the church just enjoy serving um, but you know over the course of the next five years um, this passion in my heart just carried on growing it was breaking out all over the place I was looking mm. for opportunities to preach yeah then everywhere I was looking for opportunities to teach everywhere I, I you know <laughs> even street corners became pulpits um, and eventually my, the Lord started to work in my wife's heart as well and um, mm. also started to 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 move in her heart recognizing that this call was uh, you used uh, you didn't say intentional you said um, irresistible. irresistible yeah. I'm going to say it was insatiable. Yeah. Insatiable. I, I had this. I had this. This desire that had That's then it. just grown to such a stage that mm. it could no longer be harnessed. Mm. Um, I desired to go into full time work, um, and so um, when it came time after about five years to go back to Liesl and say, "Hey, I, I think the time has has come." Um, at that stage, she was yes, yeah. I can see it as well. It looks mm. like this is the way that uh, that the Lord has called you, um, Gideon. Any anything to add there, just regarding these desires that the Lord places in our hearts and how they grow before we start speaking about you know whatever might be next, how we start serving or mm. how that desire gets affirmed. Yeah, uh, it it is Spurgeon who said. Um, if 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 ever one is called into ministry, if you ever fantasize and you flirt with anything else, then you are not fit for that office. Um, what he implies is, as he writes in his book uh, Lectures to Marco, um, is that when God has called a man to a specific office, uh, the hand of the Lord is on that man, and the, this is not. Um, like just because everything else has failed, so then I will verge into this <laughs> as an easier as an easier path. Or uh, I've tried to do everything else, uh, then um, everything else fails. So I desire, in and of my own volition, to do this. Uh, it has to be made clear to say that um, the Lord calls, and if God calls. He, he is not just calling uh, those who, uh, as it would, in, in, in a stage where you've tried it all and you, 
you 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 feel as though that ministry is an escape. Mm. There has to be that urge, and that urge is brought about as Brother Tepo is putting it by the Lord Himself. It's an irresistible call of God Himself, and not one deciding or desiring to say that this is what I'm going to do. Mm. Uh, it's 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 that serious. It's God who calls and not us calling ourselves. Mm. A shout-out from Mark Hibbard on uh, Facebook, uh, who was quite concerned that uh, that our show was uh, was going international. He couldn't figure out how you could be on, um, but did point out that you were in Malawi. And, and, then a, and then a really useful comment from a long-time listener, Glenn. It's great to have you on the show, Glenn, and thanks so much for interacting. You, you're, one of the, you're one of the faithful that I, I know is going to be engaging at some stage uh, during the process. Um, but he says when his dad uh, when he told his dad that he wanted to study theology, he asked me, and I, I quote, uh, what the hell do you want to do that for? <laughs> uh, and, and you know, I, I do think that the people around us, um, often as we start to move um, toward ministry, um, do sometimes put handbrakes on, and sometimes mm. for all the right reasons. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I gave the... I gave the 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 story of my wife um basically slowing my process of going into ministry mm-hmm. down by five years and not as a negative um connotation against her but actually as as a positive i I needed that time to mature mm. she needed that time to catch up uh, it was good for our family that we didn't go mm. in uh to uh, ministry in our thirties, but rather waited until our mid thirties. And um, but I but I remember when I shared with my parents that I was thinking of going into ministry. I remember them also, um, uh, you know, expressing a little bit of concern. My father is a pastor. He's an Anglican pastor down in Port Elizabeth, mm-hmm. recently retired. Um, and he was like, you know, Mark, this is a tough life. This is this is really. This is, I mean, I knew that. I'd watched him my whole life growing up. So I, I knew it wasn't, you know, a song and a dance and the, and the, easiest, uh, and the easiest way to, uh, to, 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 to get by in life. I knew that this needed to be a calling uh, mm. from God and it needed to be confirmed and affirmed by him and by his people. Um, but, but I also understood what he was saying. He was saying, you know, if you can do anything else, and I think, Spurgeon, I mean, we've got to get through at least one show <laughs> in mm. the next while without a couple of Spurgeon quotes. <laughs> but but I think it was Spurgeon that also said, you know, if a man can do anything else, let him go and do that. Yep. I mean, let him go and do that mm. because it, it mm. is a very, very difficult calling. You want to make sure that this is what you're called to. Mm. You want to make sure that your wife certainly is standing next to you uh, as mm. you take this path that God might be glorified in yeah. and through you. <laughs> so, so my process... Almost well, it was slowed down a bit because, um, like I said, I dropped out in my second year, right, mm. of accounting. So, towards the end of the first year, this is like a gathering of accountants. <laughs> uh, Gideon, you did accountancy, Tepo does accountancy. Yeah. So, I can't even add up two and two, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry on, brother. So, so, I contacted my family, yeah, um, while I was at. Um, university I was like I need to come home Because <laughs> I, I, I can't do this anymore um, I need to I need to study theology Well I want to study theology And so they were like No put it off uh, You've gone through first year mm. Maybe finish And then <laughs> mm. But second year hit But like the desire Continued to grow And mm. grow And grow Eventually My dad mm. um, Was like <clears throat> If this is what God um, would have him do 
then let us let him do it and mm-hmm. so that was that was actually um my dad at the time hadn't uh well hadn't confessed to believe but now he he well now he does believe so so at that time a dad of an un, as an unbeliever yes. was the one who said listen he is saying that this is something that God has placed in his heart so let us just do it <laughs> let's sure. just allow him mm. and yeah like i'll forever be grateful for for that because then my family warmed up to the idea that i can go and study theology well just to affirm what you're saying and then a question for gideon um glenn says that eventually his dad paid for him to complete his degree um, confirming to glenn that this was god's will i've also experienced some of the most consistent and most generous support um from my family and and from people who encouraged me not to go into ministry I, i i tell you what just before going into ministry i met with a mentor a counselor uh will tate uh you guys will know him he he's a pastor at uh, grace uh christian church or grace church in in germiston in the primrose area and and I sat down with Will at a coffee shop and excitedly told him how I was moving towards ministry and, you know, sat back waiting for him to say, yes, Mark, this makes perfect sense. Uh, and his answer was, no, no, Mark, I, I really, I just don't see it. Don't, don't do it. If you can do anything else, <laughs> please pursue anything else. Ministry is too difficult. Uh, this is, I, I just, I just don't see it. Well, well, ministry happened and the Lord confirmed and affirmed and and we do need to get to how the church goes through that process and the kinds of people that you need to seek out for counsel um but in the end um that church uh grace church in primrose uh, became one of the churches that supported me <laughs> as mm. i went to crystal park um and uh, i do find it interesting how how sometimes the the folk who are handbrakes are handbrakes because of their love for you mm. and their desire to make sure for you to make sure that if you do go ahead and do this yeah. <laughs> you do it because there is no other option it is yeah. a compulsion <laughs> Gideon mm-hmm. a, a question on sure. Facebook from uh, from a listener is it and uh, this mm. is just bouncing off what we were talking about earlier mm. and maybe even what we're talking about now uh, is it a calling to a person or to a family uh, would you go about elaborating on that um Calling to, uh, I think what we are speaking about here is it's a personal call. Uh, just like when we, I think, I think if we we we, we need to distinguish um, the different aspects when it comes to a call, um, there is there has to be uh, just as we see in salvation um, that personal effectual call. In other words, God is through the Holy Spirit working in the heart of a man uh, and causing that man to come to a place where he understands his need for a savior. Um, In the similar fashion, uh, God through the Holy Spirit um, working in the heart of the man and he comes to a place of his service in the kingdom of God. Uh, But then as we have all alluded to here, when God calls that particular individual and that particular individual is found in a specific family. And Mark, uh, you are a good example on that. You you were married at that particular mm. time when God was calling you to full-time ministry. Myself and Seppo, we were um, young men under the 
supervision of parents mm. uh, who uh, at that particular time were non-believers. Um, they were not called in the similar fashion that um, I was called and Seb was called and you in the in the scenario where you and Lizzo. But then you would see that with time, uh, your grace, in other words, the grace which God gives you, um, then the Lord as well gives you grace that you are able then to relate with the family members and they too are able to affirm mm -hmm. of the gift which the Lord or the grace which the Lord has given you. Which I think comes to, we, we, will talk, we need to talk later on about the elements to a core, uh, because there is that intrinsic aspect when it comes to those elements of a core where you internally are burdened and you are able to feel it and to, to be convinced, to come to a place where you are sensing that core. So that's internal element to a core. Mm. But then there's also an external aspect where not just your immediate family as in biological family mm -hmm. but your local church mm -hmm. affirms that you are called to a specific ministry mm -hmm. and they are able to give you opportunity where you are serving mm -hmm. um, so, so in, in the external sense you have your those people that God has given in your life that's your immediate family but more importantly here more than just your biological family the family of God yes. but the third element we are called which will be the giftedness, where mm. God gifts you to do that particular um, task which He calls you to. So those would be the three key elements to echo. And in this aspect, to answer that question, we are not talking about just a, we are not talking about a family, but we are talking about the individual. Mm. Well, we we're coming up for the hour. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time if we if we belabor this point. Um, but we do have a few minutes left. Any, anything to add there, Tepo, um, regarding this calling? Is it to a person or to a family? Any anything that you'd like to clarify? Yeah. So so obviously I agree with uh, Gideon. Um, so 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 like like I said, I think in I think in stages, right? So um, the call is first to the to the man, or say husband in a married um, in a in a marriage. And then from there, in order for the man to 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 practice or to 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 fulfill that call, his family then gets involved. So so, um, but obviously it precedes or comes from the calling on the man's life. But whether or not that call gets um, uh, fulfilled in the man's life, it affects other people. So um, could it be that a man is called or feels called to ministry, but for some reason is disqualified because his family is not on board? Then, mm. yeah, so, so it, mm. it, it's first to the man mm. and then it plays itself out in the family and its setup. I think because you use the word disqualified, uh, I, let me just bring in some useful containers that I think in terms of, uh, and that would be, disqualification qualification and underqualification so sometimes when we come to scripture we're either looking for disqualification or we're looking for qualification um, and on this particular topic what we might do is we might say well you know I I'm I'm married and I feel called 
uh, I'm qualified and I'm going to run ahead. Mm. Um, but in actual fact, if you're running ahead, pulling your wife by by her hair into ministry, um, and we're definitely not advocating for that. Mm. Um, uh, that that's an under qualification. Uh, the reality is in a in a in a ministry situation, uh, you're going to have unity in the home. Yeah. Um, we, we think of the qualifications that are spoken about for overseers and deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, as well as in, in Titus. Uh, there's a lot of relational um, uh, collateral and integrity that potential elders uh, bring to the party in terms of their qualifications. And I think it's possible for a man to be underqualified um, because his wife isn't in the game with him. Um, and and so it's important that we have these conversations with the people that are closest to us, mm. that we take them along this journey with us. I'm looking at the time. I, I can't believe it. Gideon, <laughs> it feels like we've been talking for three minutes, and it turns out that it's been way longer. We're, we're actually coming up for uh, 10 o'clock, and so it is actually time for a... Uh, a break. We're going to be listening to a song uh, by an artist, Arnold DeVette, and he sings Run. You are one of the members at Crystal Park Baptist Church and have sat under the teaching of Tsepo as well as uh, Gideon and myself for many years. Uh, and you are an encouragement to our hearts. Lovely to have your interaction and your engagement uh, on the show. And, and listener, let me just remind you that you are invited to join the conversation. Uh, even as we speak, you can drop a comment on Facebook, Radio Pulpit, uh, Radio Console. Uh, you can also, on Twitter, use the handle at 657AM. Um, you can leave a voice note. So that was the first voice note that I've played uh, on a show. Um, so Gogo Hannah you got the very first voice note in well done you can drop a comment you can leave a uh, voice note on whatsapp we are available on telegram the number is 082-657-2729 Gideon we we have another question that came in again from a long time listener Teresa it's really great to have you uh, listening in Teresa He, he says what happens if a man has been divorced before um, maybe before Christ or even after they came to faith, but have since grown and are now married. Is that man therefore disqualified? Mm. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really an interesting question. Mm. Um, but as, as we, we, look, we look at the scriptures, um, I, I think what... What comes to mind, one of my favorite um, uh, passages of the Bible that I would love even our conversation to anchor on even uh, in the next hour, it's Isaiah chapter 6. Um, in Isaiah chapter 6, we find a man who is actually um, called by God, but it was in a time of crisis. Um, but there is um, a, a general sense as Isaiah stands before um, uh, a holy God in the temple that Isaiah is very much aware of his own sinfulness uh, and it is God who then um, cleanses and purges Isaiah to, to do the work. Um, that realization of our own sinfulness uh, really it's, it's, it's something that even us who have been called in whichever way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. um, we, we need to 
to walk and to remind ourselves daily, um, as as Paul David Tripp would urge us, to preach the gospel to ourselves daily, mm. even though we may feel that we are worth so depending as to what kind of a call that Toriso is referring to, um, I would say that with regards to um, one being an elder in a local church, uh, Paul uh, gives um, the requirements to uh, Timothy. And I know that this, uh, there are two different views. Uh, regarding to this, some would regard such a man to say that if there is a fruit of repentance and this man has matured, although he divorced before he uh, came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, some will be of the view that such a man is eligible uh, to stand and um, serve as an elder. Um, others would uh, differ with that. They would uh, regard such a man as to say, he can serve in any other capacity in the life of a local church, but not as an elder. Uh, so if Sifiso is referring to qualification in regard to eldership, those would be the two different views. But if with regard to any specific ministry in the life of a local church, we all have a past life. We all mm. have sins, just like Paul. Paul was a murderer. Uh, but he, we see on the road to Damascus that Jesus Christ changes a terrorist into a missionary. Um, then he goes about and he's preaching the gospel uh, in such a way that even those whom he once persecuted were fearful concerning him. Mm. And we can even assert that if the church in Jerusalem was about to appoint somebody else to be uh, a church planter, uh, they will not pu put Paul hmm. as one of the candidates. Yeah. Uh, but God would do that in his grace, um, that he would choose such a man that even the church in Antioch, uh, the Holy Spirit would say, that set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work of ministry which are prepared hmm. for them in Acts chapter 13. So when it comes to a court ministry, our past life must be actually an evidence of the grace of God. Mm. Uh, and it must be a reminder that even in a... Well, gee, we might have lost you for a few seconds there. Um, let me pick up the baton and mm. carry on running. Uh, partly because I, I just got a message from my very good friend Rocky Stevenson. He was on the show last week, I think. Yeah. Um, Rocky serves literally a couple of kilometers down the road from me and on this topic we've had countless discussions because the two of us as close as we are I mean really Rocky and I are peas in a pod on most matters uh, of faith and doctrine but as close as we are we differ on this particular um, on this particular topic uh, Rocky would take what is called a permanence view so he would say that if a man has been divorced in the past, or at least he said this in the past, if a man has been divorced in the past, he is divorced and therefore disqualified from service. And the reason for that is Rocky would say, whilst you might have been an excessive drinker, you can stop drinking, or a bully, you can become gentle, or you might have been quarrelsome or pugnacious in the past, you can oh. become 
non-quarrelsome or non-pugnacious, but you can't become undivorced. Um, and so he would say if a man has divorced in the past, um, that in terms of qualifications to serve as a pastor, he's disqualified. Um, and I've really listened to those uh, to those arguments. I, I, I do. I, I see where Rocky is coming from. Uh, really, the text in terms of. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 reads the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to be an overseer he desires a noble work an overseer therefore must be above reproach the husband of one wife I would start off just in terms of both translative and then interpretive work by just recognizing that the chief and the first the cardinal qualification that's listed the priority qualification is that he must be above reproach um, and so I, I would say that depending on your church context mm. a divorced man may or may not ever be able to be above reproach if we had to say through passage of time um, that this is no longer an issue then the second qualification is the husband of one wife there, there is a translative note on that text um, I certainly as I approach the text come to the conclusion translatively that the intention of the author is that an elder must be a one-womaned man he must be known as being fully devoted to one woman and oh. so when when I read that text and when I read that qualification uh, I would look at a man and particularly Teresa you raised a man who possibly was divorced before he came to Christ I, I would ask the question how much time has passed um, does mm. this person now uh, in the eyes of everyone around him uh, is this person now considered to be above reproach and in possibly if he has a new relationship, if he has a, a marriage, how much time has he been married? And is he considered by all to be a one-woman man? And I would say all of those play a factor in terms of an eldership determining whether or not this man is qualified or not. Mm. I do think that the passage of time is important um, as we consider that and as we think through that. Um, uh, there is a note that has come through um, from uh, Ishwa, and Ishwa says the important thing here is what does the Bible say? And let's stick to God's word, not man's interpretations. He is his uh, he that his word uh, stands forever, um, and so that's true. What we do need to do is wrestle with <laughs> what God's word says. Yeah. Um, Gideon, I do want to kind of bring the conversation back to this to this process of calling, um, to this process mm. of of a call on a man and discerning a call, and and really I want us to move it beyond uh, just the personal compulsion, uh, and I want to mm -hmm. move it beyond um, whether or not this is affirmed by the people around us, and I want us to start mm. to talk about the confirmation mm. uh, of a man's call. Um, yeah, okay. Can you maybe just kick that conversation off? Yeah, the, the way that we, we see it in the scriptures, um, when God calls um, men to ministry, and uh, I will use the uh, disciples of Jesus Christ as uh, key examples, um, most of which were fishermen, um, there was a time of uh, preparation. 
I think we lost Gideon again. Uh, so while DK does all the hard work of uh, of getting him back on board, yeah, um, yeah l- l- let's just engage on that, uh, Tepo. When we when we talk about the call uh, on a man uh, and the affirmation of the church or um, people around him, what are we really talking about and what are we looking for? Okay, so so I think. Um, I'll talk about uh, something that I've seen happen and I'll I'll also talk about what I think should happen. Well, not what I think should happen, but what the Bible says should happen. So firstly, um, to be called into ministry, uh, the, it, it can't just be a personal thing. Um, like, like Gideon said, he says, there's, there's, a, there's a, well, I think you pointed it out. There's, there's, a, there's a desire or an aspiration which comes from within and there's a desire which is outward so with with that is firstly it's just me in this and then secondly it's people around me who are able to either confirm or affirm that this is actually the direction that um, God would have me go and also um, like it's very important that this call is affirmed by a local church Mm. so if you are a member of a local church and um, in some cases I, I know of guys who've gone into ministry just by being affirmed by members in the local church that actually have you considered this have you have you thought of going in this direction just just because of they've observed this man's faithfulness now yeah actually you've hit something which is so important they have observed yeah this man's faithfulness really as a step towards a genuine call to ministry you need to be living a life which can be observed yeah you need to be serving in your local church yeah i mean there needs to be some kind of process here right yeah i i god doesn't just kind of like wake you up in the middle of the night you've kind of attend church once every second week and you don't attend any Bible studies or have any service in the church and, and give you a desire that you would go into ministry. That's just what you ate for for supper <laughs> a, a couple yeah. of hours before. That's just a, that's just a bit of gas. Um, the reality is a call to ministry will be observed by the people around you. Yeah. Flesh, flesh that out a little bit and flesh out the kinds of service yeah. that a person who is looking to go into ministry might pursue in a local church. So, so for instance, um, let's talk about uh, leading a Bible study and the ability to teach God's word properly. Um, even in that, uh, the church can can actually confirm, or people who are seated around it, the members of the church can confirm or affirm that actually you 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 have you have the skill, you have the ability, you have the 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 well you are able to expound God's word mm. and so uh, we've also looked at other areas of your life you 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 are godly you um your family is well run and all of that cuz obviously for a person to be qualified or to even consider going into this ministry there's a whole lot of things and which you've read from first Timothy chapter three. Uh, there's a lot of things that needs to be taken into account. You know, you, know, you bring up something that is so important to Paul. Yeah. Like often we look at the lists in Timothy and the lists in Titus mm-hmm. as lists that as long as I can put a check next to it, I'm not disqualified. But in actual fact, they're stated in the positive. Like yeah. if you think that you ought to be moving toward ministry, that this is a genuine call and desire that God has given 
giving you, then by all means, take a look at those lists and make them aspirational in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things is uh, hospitality. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if you feel called into ministry, ask yourself the genuine question, not am I disqualified because I'm mm-hmm. a terrible host, <laughs> but am I qualified because I'm exercising hospitality towards strangers? Mm. Are you taking home, and, and really uh, it's love for strangers that has been spoken about here, are you taking a ho- are you taking home you know new people uh, from church after Sunday meetings and entertaining them at your home, getting to know them, listening to their stories, um, sharing your faith with them, uh, able to teach? Mm. Are you teaching? Because if you're not teaching, whilst you might not be disqualified because you're a terrible teacher, but you might not be qualified because you're not teaching in a church environment. You're not teaching a Bible study or Sunday school. And really, that would become, you know, entrances towards testing a genuine call on your life. You know, get involved in Sunday school. Uh, get involved in a Bible study. Um, and over time, ask if you can you preach or be trained toward preaching in the pulpit. Um, because how else will people be able to affirm a call? How else could you have an external confirmation of of call on your life unless you are involved in those kinds of activities yeah so mm. so so just on on uh, the observation um acts chapter 16 when 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 well it's it's that uh, text about paul and timothy listen to what it says here it says paul came also to derby and lystra a disciple was there named timothy the son of a jewish woman who was a believer but his father was a greek he was well spoken of by the brothers at lystra and iconium and so 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 there's that reputational aspect as well mm. for yes. for a person who 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 would say um i want to come into ministry or who would be qualified to come into ministry so the church and there there has to be an affirmation there has to be an above reproachness of a man who says i actually want to go into ministry like for instance um here's an example and it's actually it's actually funny but it's true there are people who would come to you and say you know what actually i think i'm called into ministry and they don't belong to a local church so there's no point of reference that who is this person how can we even start tracking um where they how far they've come in the faith and some would just come on a sunday like uh, i feel god's call uh, can i preach on a sunday and like mm-hmm. you there's no way that person can actually say i'm called to the ministry whereas there's literally you can't even look at one of the listed things in those in in those letters yeah. and say actually you've you've checked that one and you've checked that one and so yeah so this it's it's very important that the person belongs to a local church and there's a form of um track record that we can accountability yes and accountability yeah. I'm, I'm smiling broadly because I'm actually picturing Gideon on Skype and just the number of times we have been approached over the years by just somebody who popped in on a Sunday or popped up out of pretty much nowhere to say, you know, I feel called to ministry or Mm. can the church sponsor me to go to seminary or can I preach next Sunday? (laughs) Gideon, anything to add as we're talking about confirmation? Yeah, uh, that that patience and um, mm. the humility um, to sit under and to learn, uh, to be prepared, and to be able to 
um, be able to be held accountable, but also um, as we see it in the scriptures, um, where we 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 even uh, come to a place where we make mistakes and we are rebuked of the mistakes that we do make, mm-hmm. because most of the times, as um, as as young people, but also even those who have that urged ministry, uh, most times people are just looking at the end product, but we don't want to go through the process of um, being prepared, humbly um, washing the feet of the disciples as it would, um, and be able to come to a place where we sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus mm. Christ before he would commission us and send us yeah. uh, to that field which he has prepared us. Mm. I think there lies... Um, the need of, of discipleship as you addressed mm. the topic uh, three weeks ago uh, in our respective local churches where we intentionally um, have those platforms where young men or even older men uh, or younger men and uh, those who are aspiring to even those who do not even think that they are called but they mm. are put in those places that they go through that preparation and they'll be able to discern the call of God on their lives and later on being affirmed into ministry. I think it's, it's crucial yep. that local churches, local churches we do that. You know, illustration and life story. Uh, illustration, there's no other area in life where we think we can excel without going through due process. I mean, we talk about, you know, 10,000 hours to become an expert at, at playing cricket or at playing rugby or at being a ballerina or at playing the guitar really, really well. We recognize that all of these areas require time and practice and dedication and study. You want to be an accountant, you go to school, you spend uh, many years studying accountancy and then you join a firm uh, like at the bottom rung and work your way up. Uh, you, you do articles if you want to be a CA. We, we recognize in life that all of these areas require time in order and grooming and mentorship and academic fortitude in order for us to excel uh, and too often people think that they can short track that when <laughs> it comes to the pastorate uh, and then you know just life experience I, I, I remember at Midrand Chapel my former church uh, spending uh, a number of years um, in a kind of accelerated leadership program with the pastor uh, Chris Willie. we got to the end of the program and I think about 25 men started it about 12 men finished and they appointed uh, three elders I, I, I wasn't appointed as an elder uh, at the time I was appointed uh, a year or, or so later mm-hmm. um, uh, but I was kind of like 29 and, and it was the first time that the elders distributed, they, they decided at the, the induction of the elders that the elders would distribute the elements uh, and they were kind of like one man short and I could see that, that they were struggling. <laughs> so I went forward to, to take mm-hmm. the basket and I remember uh, mm-hmm. Chris saying, no, 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 Mark, it's fine. We got that. And I can remember the sting on the back <laughs> of my head uh, and the, the redness in my face as I had to turn back and go and sit down. And, and take my place. <laughs> well, well, in truth, as you as you sit and think of that, you think, yeah, okay, well, you know, maybe it was a it was a little bit of embarrassment, but boy, was a great training for what was yeah. to come. Because my neck hairs have stood up, and I have been red in the face as people have, you know, 
given all manner of shame over the years um, as I've been in my role uh, as pastor and and these are things that take time I mm. think Chris was right uh, mm. to to slow the process down not that I was disqualified mm. from being an elder at the time or disqualified from handing out the elements mm. but just you know you know sit down Mark take your place uh, be patient yeah. uh, and that was the word that I was I was really thinking of uh, yeah. Gideon you used the word patient yeah. and that word patience yeah. is so so helpful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we move towards this affirmation and then confirmation of a call on our lives yeah um, yeah so so just on patience so i came from a church um well there were there were reasons why i came from that church so i left but in a healthy way uh all relationships reconciled so i did my pastoral um internship there and so I I had to leave. So I joined Heritage Baptist Church. So so to all of you who are listening, Tyrell Hogg, who who used to host this show, um, that's the church that I went to. And yeah. So what happened was I got there and obviously you've got a degree in theology, you were preaching at a previous church. Well actually that's not that's not so obvious. And at some stage we do need to go back and just talk about the academic rigor yeah. and training that a man of God needs to go through yeah. as part of that core process. But as you were, carry on, brother. Yeah, so <laughs> with that qualification, with the past experience of being behind a pulpit, so obviously these people don't even know you from a bar soap. So you get there, you tell them your story. In actual fact, have no mm. expectations like you can't expect to be there for two weeks and behind the pulpit just because you have a degree in theology that's not how it works mm-hmm. so the mm. patience part um actually worked to humble me um as i had to go through discipleship um just like anybody else who comes into the church or church membership and then it was about i think about two years before they could even let me preach and i and 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 here's here's the part i'm trying to make when when god's call is on your life there's a patience that he grants with it and there's an ongoing desire that you will continue to have regardless of how long you have to wait before you can be given the opportunity or even serve in a particular um office or role Mm. Yeah, just that. Yeah, so yeah, carry on. I, I want you to just come in and um, add a, a biblical basis um, on this point. Um, if if we look in the scriptures, um, men, for example, such as Moses, uh, Moses mm. was called to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. Um, Moses had to wait for eighty years uh, before mm. he would um, be. Um, in that place that he was eligible to lead God's people. But we see out of his impatience, he murders an Egyptian uh, mm-hmm. and he flees to mm-hmm. be with Jethro, um, his father-in-law. Uh, later on, we also find uh, one man called, well known in the Bible, be um, David. Uh, David mm-hmm. was called at, uh, at a tender age when he was still a teenager, presumably. Mm-hmm. And Saul was still on the throne that time. Uh, David had to wait Uh, he'll be a good example of um, somebody who actually uh, respected um, God's process of preparation Mm. he waited until Saul was dead that he was then anointed 
as king of Israel. Um, our Lord and our Savior Jesus had to wait uh, for 33, for 30 years mm. uh, before he would start his ministry yeah. that would span only three years. His yeah. disciples would wait, would be trained in that three years mm. for the work of ministry that has impacted the whole wide world. Paul the Apostle, in as much as we only maybe would see the account from uh, his uh, encounter on the road to Damascus, yes. but in Galatians, Paul would tell yes. us that he had to be in Arabia for three years, yeah. um, where the Lord would grant him the revelation before he would go about to preach the gospel. Mm. Um, so there is, there is, there is that time that we see it. It's, it's biblical mm. that God would put us under uh, men. Um, who are serving and in our local churches I think we need to to be intentional about mm, that mm. we might be facing the crisis but let's use this crisis uh, to accomplish the purposes of God mm. brother you spoke about the disciples there and you said that they trained for three years mm. under Jesus Christ let's just talk about training a little bit because um, one of the things that I, I, I think is lacking is I, I, I think of um, many leadership models and structures in churches uh, around me is is a lack of uh, either formal training or even informal training of mm. of of equipping men to serve in god glorifying ways um Gideon, how were you trained uh, and and how do you advocate the training of elders and pastors uh, in your estimation and uh, tipple same question to you after Gideon um, for me, the training was uh, both, uh, I use these words, organic and organizational, or mm. formal and informal. Mm. Um, organic in such a way that it was done on a local church setting. Um, mm. I remember being at Capital City Baptist Church here in Malawi and um, being taken under the wings of men who were going into the rural areas of Malawi. And organically, this was not like uh, we have a curriculum that we are teaching you, but mm. it was in the normal life of the local church that they were doing evangelism and they would take me along. Um, and it was out of that field that then you begin to, to see the need and you begin to learn things that uh, I, I don't have to read in a book. Uh, I see the need and I see mm. the urgency and how these men are faithfully and uh, consistently preaching the gospel. Um, that that was for me a blessing. I, I do I do I do thank God for the time I spent in those villages uh, where we had churches planted. But at the same time, with uh, the realization that the Lord is calling me to to ministry. Then I had to um, enroll with uh, William Curry School of World Missions uh, down in KZN, where I did my diploma in missions. Then that was in 2005 and 2006. Came back to Malawi, then was involved in the life of the church in terms of church planting as well, in the same work which I was introduced to way before I uh, sensed the call of God on my life. Then later on, coming to Christ Baptist Seminary, there in Polokwane, where I will then be equipped for the work of ministry in theology and how to handle the Word of God. Mm. Um, and I got, I, I did my four years there as well. Uh, then later on, doing my studies with uh, the South African Theological Seminary. 
Um, so these has been, have been platforms where I had both the informal and the formal training. But I must say, as much as I, I, I am so much in love of the formal training, but I've learned a lot mm. in the last of local churches. Mm. My seven years spent at Crystal Park, for me, uh, that's worth more than um, uh, re reading a book uh, on, on anything else because yeah. that life uh, to life um, uh, training that one gets in the life of a local church cannot be uh, substituted with anything else. So I would say uh, these two, it's not either or, it's mm. both and, mm. but at the same time, if, if I would say which one would I could I vouch for most to be uh, in the life in the local church? Mm. Um, the, the local churches um, doing the work uh, for uh, those who are in its uh, sphere so that they will go out and do the work of ministry. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've, actually, I've actually found that other, so there are people who've gone to um, seminary uh, who have qualifications <laughs> but when they step out into the life of a local church they just have no idea where to start and what to do so basically um, it's important that um, so I think what worked for me was while I was studying I was part of a local church and with my studies I was able to um, put into practice um, some of the things I was learning because um, if let's say for instance you are just at uh, seminary and you just it, it's, it just translates into head knowledge and if you don't have the opportunity to put what you've learned into practice you don't actually grow in 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 in, in serving God's people or uh, seeing how these things that you've learned practically plays out and so yeah it's very important that you you get the formal um, training but also make sure that you are part of a local church to be able to put that into practice because like for instance <laughs> um I've, I've listened to uh how some of the pastors get uh um, selected let's say for instance um in a particular church they've recognized or identified a young man but the process that that they will take the young man through isn't just behind the pulpit so 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 they'll they'll look at all aspects of um this young man's life and particularly humility um like in terms of if you ask to maybe clean something a storeroom or tidy it up or something so 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 that in itself um uh uh, uh shows the people who are looking over you who are the ones who will bring your names forward and say look we've actually observed this person um that'll give them an idea of are you driven by humility or you you or what's dri what's driving you into the ministry is it that you see ministry as i'm just going to sit in my office read books and stand behind the pulpit uh, I mean ministry is more than that it's going to the local uh, clinics or going to the street corners preaching the gospel it's doing ministry during the week um, are you involved in uh, 
youth ministry where are you availing yourself for is it just behind the pulpit what seems ideal to you so being available and just being in a local church and doing the things that the local church does is as important Mm -hmm. um when you translate what you've learned and also i know of people Mm. who 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 may not have had formal education but they serve well in a local church it's it's that trans um translation or them having gone through a process with a with a mature man or a mature elder who's just taking them through that and studying the word of god and um this being discipled by this mature man or believer and that way they even translate to even become better servants of god than even others who've gone for formal training so yeah god god works in his own ways you know as i as i've been listening to both of you i, I realize that we that we are pretty much talking about a person who's in full-time vocational ministry however i, I also know uh Tepo as well as gideon uh, you would hold to a plurality of elders that we would see um parity yeah. between the elders or, or, or plurality that that the elders serve mm-hmm. together uh, in terms of a council um and and just realizing that not every person who serves as an elder is going to be able to be formally trained is going yeah. to be able to go to seminary uh, recognizing that, that that seminary access is is available to those who either start young mm-hmm. uh, and have the opportunity or for those who make great sacrifices and there's nothing wrong with making great sacrifices mm. um but i do want to i do want to affirm and just and just hold high um formal education i i, I have a very high regard mm. um for rigorous academic process as you move towards a call to ministry and the reason for that is this when you hit the ground in terms of ministry and 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 maybe just to point out i mean gideon i think you've got about nine years now of theological uh training um uh, you've got post-grad training uh Tsepo, you also hold an honors uh degree it's an undergrad an undergrad yeah. uh, a degree in, in systematics um so for myself mm-hmm. i haven't had the opportunity to uh to finish formal education however let me say the advantages of formal education are twofold one is it demonstrates a certain aptitude mm-hmm. towards the work so when i hear that a man has gone to baptist theological college or mukanyo theological college mm-hmm. or christ seminary i immediately get excited because i know that he has an an aptitude for what he desires to do and he's demonstrated that he's made necessary sacrifices in order to move mm. in that direction mm. um and so i i do think that formal education or a move towards formal education is a good move for somebody who is pursuing a call to ministry yeah. but secondly and i and i speak from experience here so i, I did a lot of study um personal study mm-hmm. um reading systematics reading as widely as i possibly could including doing a- original languages before i became a pastor but mm-hmm. that was m- maybe a little bit different to the normal ramp up that most men have but i tell you once you hit boots on ground in mm-hmm. terms of a local mm-hmm. church there's very little time <laughs> 
to do the kinds of regular, rigorous training mm. that you actually need in the midst of ministry. I mean, both of you guys have spoken to the advantages that you had from seeing local churches work and from mm. being next to men that could mentor you and kind of show you the ins and the outs of real ministry. And you've alluded to the fact that men that don't get that hit local churches and don't know where to start. And mm. I think that that is, that that is true. Um, but I do think that men that don't have a theological background and then come into a local church are at the same disadvantage mm-hmm. as men who have a theological background but don't have a local church knowledge and mm-hmm. kind of like that tactile uh, experience in that there's very little time after you get started to catch up. There's very little. I mean, uh, ministry is incredibly busy. I, if I had to just sum up my life <laughs> in a few words, <laughs> one of those words would have to be rushed off my feet, so busy I can't even think I'm battling to breathe right now. I can't wait to get home and have some supper so I can do a little bit more work. <laughs> you know, th- I mean, ministry is incredibly busy. And so um, definitely part of the training, part of the ramp up, part of the move towards a call and mm. the discernment is this call real must be a grasping hold of and a tight clenched fist mm. of the deeper truths of faith that is spoken about to Man. Timothy by Paul uh, when he speaks of uh, deacons uh, in that book mm. guys yep. in, in terms of the actual process of of you know getting right to the very end now and I, I, I'm not talking about a, a person who believes that they are called as an elder as a shepherd as a pastor this call has been affirmed by their family by their wife uh, by their um, by their by their family the people that they are with this call has been affirmed by a local church that they are serving in and they've checked all of those kinds of boxes um, and, and now and now the the church wants to go through the process of appointing this person what should an induction process and i'm not talking about the service but i'm more more talking about kind of like how how should churches go about the process of making sure that the person they've got actually checks these boxes uh, gideon you you've come on board at at two churches over the years um but particularly i guess uh, florida uh, yourself, yourself uh, Tepo, uh, you've come into Crystal Park. You serve mm-hmm. on staff, although you haven't been recognized as an elder. Mm-hmm. And so you haven't gone through any kind of formal board process in terms of elder evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but in your guys' minds and from what you've seen work well, whether it be at Heritage, Florida, Crystal Park, what should the onboarding process be uh, for potential elders and pastors? Mm-hmm. Um. I'll, I'll go first. Um, for somebody who has um, uh, already, they have sensed the core and um, the, the church, we're speaking, uh, am, I, am I right? We're saying we are speaking in terms of the church about to acknowledge yes, this yes. person. Yeah. Um, they, they, they should be, if we are talking about elders, um, they, they should be a way in which that local church um, has not only uh, told this person to their desire to uh, acknowledge this man as an elder, but also uh, their actual involvement in mm. some of the aspects, uh, whether it be, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of our own local church of FBC, where if a man 
if we see that this man um, possesses those qualifications of an elder, then we take him through, we allow him to sit into uh, elders' meetings and for him just to see um, as to how we conduct our meetings, but also for him to have a feel as to some of the discussions we do have at the same time for him to understand the weightiness of the task mm. at hand because sometimes people can fantasize or can look at uh, only the you know the uh, the glorious elements of the uh, task and forgetting that there are agonies attached mm. to it as well mm. so just to share with them uh, some of those aspects and elements before we would even um, uh, acknowledge and appoint such a man. But also a local church should be involved because this man is not going to be serving in a vacuum. Um, this man, if we're talking of an elder, uh, we are talking of a shepherd, somebody who is going to uh, oversee, somebody who is going to, to feed the flock. So even the sheep uh, themselves, they also have to be um, uh, to be brought along into the whole process uh, using maybe the analogy of Jesus in John 10, my sheep knows my voice. So there has to be that intentional um, uh, aspect uh, in the whole process where the sheep should also acknowledge that this is another voice that's coming uh, to oversee us. So that's where I think the element which Sebo spoke of, of teaching comes in where they are seeing this man preaching and teaching, but also when it comes to some elements of shepherding, uh, mm. he is also involved in that whole process. Mm. In doing so, then we can then speak of the action, but after going through that process, um, for us it's, a, it's, 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 it's about a year, six months or so, mm. um, uh, that one has to undergo that, so that the church the flock knows him, and he also gets to know the flock, but also uh, the task at hand. Mm. Uh, so that that would be something that I would say would be uh, needful to do. And on the actual induction, then uh, it's, it's almost the same as the wedding day, where uh, the church is reminded as to their duties and responsibilities uh, towards this man, but also this man is reminded of his duties and responsibilities towards the flock which he's about to be a shepherd of. Mm. Uh, so it's a two-way thing that it's not just about as, um, other elders appointing this man to be one of them, but then the local church um, is also involved in the whole process. Uh, mm. That's that's how uh, that's how we, we've done it. Uh, as my seven years at Crystal Park and my uh, two and a half years at Florida Baptist Church. <laughs> mm. For yourself, yeah. uh, Tepo, anything to add just in terms of that final step in that process? So how it worked for me was I was part of a local church um, and that's when I went to Bible college, part of a local church. And so while well, I was I was involved in youth ministry and Awana and so I had then moved to a different branch um, and the pastor, one of the pastors actually happened to be my um, lecturer. So obviously there were relationships there. Um, that's for me, it was, well, I wasn't inducted yet. Uh, so it was just um, an internship, uh, just preaching and um, obviously being affirmed and then had to move over 
Um, now at Crystal Park. And I'm just thinking about how I got to Crystal Park and how I started serving on stuff. So I moved to Crystal Park. Um, I think it was uh, 20, what, what are we in now? 2021. So I, I moved there like 2019, I think. I'm not, uh, I'm maybe, sure. maybe at the beginning or yeah. late 2018. 2018. So Gideon knows when yeah, I went to Crystal Park. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's when he left. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I moved to Crystal Park um, before I I could serve in any um, what is this uh, ministry. Yeah. So it was obviously just on a um, I I want to be in ministry. I want to help anywhere I can. Yes. And so I even moved there so that I could um, help Crystal Park and be involved in ministry. Um, and that was like, I think it was a year before I was even on staff. And, that, and that's mainly because to to serve yes. in in the church, you need to be a member, yes, or you need to be moving toward yes. membership, yeah, yes. And so, and so, and so, I'm also I'm also looking at the aspect of um, the kinds of people that you would uh, take in, other people with the desire, and people who would um, move towards certain ministries, um, particularly even if there isn't any particular benefit to them, mm. because what's driving them is the desire mm. to to serve. Um, uh, God's people and mm. to do the work of ministry. So yeah, I think I think it's it's looking at all of that. So you're looking at the person's desire, what drives them. Um, are they willing to do things even if there's no um, uh, what do you call it tangible benefit? Financial. To them? Yeah. So it's it's those kinds of things that you want to look at. It's the humility in the person. It's it's how their household is run. It's mm. <laughs> hospitality. It's yeah. It's 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 all of those things. And yeah. Um. In terms of induction, um. Well, Gideon said it's like a it's like a wedding. It's it's a celebration. Um. So yeah. so yeah. Um. But I think I think it's very very important that you get to know the person you bring in. Mm. Um. Unless if well the church is calling a pastor. Who's who was pastoring another church, and has a good track record. Like Gideon went to Florida, mm. yeah, so. and yet still Florida went through a lot of due diligence. Yes. I mean, yes. they spoke for hours with me regarding yeah. Gideon and his character and yeah. his strengths and his weaknesses. Not that you have any, brother, <laughs> um, but uh, but 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 for hours. Uh, you know, you raised a great point, and mm. I mean, it's 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 a pity it has it's going to be the final point because it mm. it feels like like there's so much more to be said uh, on this topic. However, you raised a great point. I I I think of Gideon. In fact, mm. I, you know, I I'd been at Crystal Park for about a year, mm. and uh, was serving maybe twenty people at the time. The church when I arrived was very very small, yeah. um, but serving about twenty people at the time. And and one evening, I I get this phone call out of the blue literally out of the <laughs> blue and uh and the guy on the other side of the the line introduces himself as Gideon and Penny and says that he is a Christ seminary uh grad he's in his third or fourth year and uh he he would like to come to Crystal Park and uh-huh. serve uh-huh. <laughs> um uh, and and I said well what do you mean he says no I'll do whatever you want to do and I'm <laughs> like but well what do you mean he says no I mean <laughs> if you need the place cleaned I'll clean the place if you need the uh, uh, what, whatever you need, I'll come and I, I want to come and serve 
alongside you yeah uh, and i said well you know what brother really i we, we don't need anyone to clean what i need is someone to stand next to me mm. but it was that humility yeah. that gideon came yeah. with um lived in my house uh, we walked every single night went for long walks and spoke through life and spoke through church mm. and got to know one another uh, mm. until after a number of years mm. and i think it might have been you know two years um, before he was recognized first as an elder and then later brought onto staff about mm-hmm. two years after that mm-hmm. same kind of long yeah. slow relational getting together yeah. Gideon really I mean this I could talk to you all day brother I love you deeply I miss you I, I mean even Florida is far t- I mean it feels like you're on the moon I, I just don't get to speak to you long enough don't get to interact with you and Chaletso and the kids uh, miss you very very dearly um, but it's been great to speak to you this morning thank you so much for coming on really appreciate your presence and and and, 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 and Thank you so much as well for the opportunity. Uh, it's 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 a great blessing to uh, join you guys in this talk, and we pray that the Lord will continue to use this platform mm. uh, to steer the hearts of many uh, to Himself as we even wait uh, for His second coming. It's it's mm. really um, a great joy uh, to talk about these matters pertaining to the life of a local church. Yes. And, you know, just to close out with those introductions, the Lord of the Harvest, many, many workers are needed. We are going to now uh, bring this morning to a close. We are going to be hearing from Janine singing, Redeemer of my heart. Go well and get after it.